Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. At the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Way and Derby Street in Berkeley is a pretty unremarkable one-story building. It's got an adobe tile roof and curved windows that make it look like it might have once been a community church or a post office. These days, most of what you hear outside the building is traffic. But if you had stood here 50 years ago, you may have heard some very different sounds drifting out of the doors of this building. What is Africa to me? One three centuries removed from the lands my fathers loved. The spicy grove, cinnamon tree. What is Africa to me? This was the home of Rainbow Sign, a black cultural center that hosted dozens of high-profile black luminaries, like Maya Angelou, Nina Simone, and influential folk musician Odetta, all of whom you just heard. Today on Bay Curious, we're presenting an episode about the Rainbow Sign, what it was, who walked through its doors, and what very influential political figure considers it a formative place in her upbringing. I'm Olivia Allen Price. We'll get to it right after this. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. 
I can hardly believe it, but it has been one year since the Bay Curious book hit the shelves, and we are ready to celebrate. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the podcast and one of the contributors to the book. For the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for Bay Curious listeners. Right now, you can get the ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it soon. Happy reading. Now I'll pass the baton to my KQED colleagues, Sasha Coca and Marisa Lagos. They've been teaming up on some episodes for the California Report magazine that look at race, identity, and history in California. Today, they're taking us back to the rainbow sign. Rainbow Sign is a unique club in Berkeley, which is geared to the role of the black in American cultural society. This is a small, intimate club. You could walk up and ask a question of Maya Angelou or James Baldwin. I saw Taj Mahal there. Intasaki, Shanghai, people like uh, Cleveland Bellows, Raymond Holbert all had exhibitions there. Alice Walker, who went on to win the Pulitzer Prize for The Color Purple, did a reading at Rainbow Sign. Nina Simone performed at Rainbow Sign when I was seven years old. You might recognize one of those voices as Vice President Kamala Harris. She wrote about growing up in Berkeley and going to the rainbow sign as a kid in her 2019 autobiography, The Truths We Hold. Here she is reading from the audiobook. Families with children were especially welcome at rainbow sign, an approach that reflected both the values and the vision of the women at its helm. Kamala Harris's election made us start thinking about the rich history of this cultural center. It's a place most Californians haven't even heard about. Yeah, and the rainbow sign has this incredible legacy. There are so many famous people who performed and visited there, and it cultivated so many artists and leaders. But it was also a place where people could experience joy. It wasn't just about Black pain and the suffering of folks of color, but it was really about celebration. And more than 40 years later, that's all still relevant as we continue to reckon with our country's shameful racism and think more about the need for people of color to have safe spaces. We also know that the conversations happening now were built on years of previous work. We're talking political, cultural, artistic. So we wanted to take our audience back to another era full of upheaval. To the 1960s and 70s in the Bay Area. And remember, this was at the height of the Vietnam War, the free speech movement, black nationalism, and Berkeley was right at the center of so many of those social movements. So we are at the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. and Derby Street in front of what was Rainbow Sign, a black cultural arts club between 1971 and 1977. Today, it's a mental health center run by the city of Berkeley. And last year, it was being renovated. And we were able to take a tour before it was open to the public with someone whose memories of the place run deep. My name is Odette Pauler, and my parents, Henry and Marianne Pauler, started Rainbow Sign in the 70s. Odette hadn't been in the building for more than 40 years since she was a teenager. It was painted. It was very warm, the yellows and the gold. So when you walked in, it felt very much like you were walking into somebody's living room. This is a big place. 
Much of the inside has now been rebuilt into cubicles and office spaces, but the main concert hall is still there. It has a church-like feel to it. Echoey wood floors, tall ceiling beams hand-painted with a delicate floral pattern. It's beautiful. There was an energy um, in here. There was that feeling of movement, right? There was action. Things were happening. It, It wasn't stagnant at all. While some of the performers who came through there were already established, the Nina Simones and Josephine Bakers, others were at the very start of their careers, with only a whisper of their greatness to come. Like blues singer Taj Mahal. Here he is performing Leaving Trunk. It's a song from his very first album, released back in 1968. The rainbow sign also occupied a hugely important political space, both for the actual political organizing that happened there and for the fact that it staunchly celebrated blackness and black potential. But it was only around for six years back in the 1970s, which means a lot of its history has been lost to time. That's right. We had trouble finding performances recorded at the Rainbow Sign. But there has been an effort in recent years to preserve what archives did survive. While both Marianne Poller and Henry Poller passed away more than 20 years ago, their daughter Odette kept boxes and boxes of archives. They'd actually been buried in storage for years until 2017, when a couple of students in an undergraduate seminar at UC Berkeley began researching the rainbow sign. And they ended up creating a digital archive with Odette's blessing. Rainbow sign needs to not just disappear into the mists of time. Odette is particularly proud of her mother, Marianne Poller, who forged a path as a Black female concert promoter before that was even an established job. This is a Black woman in the 40s and 50s and 60s doing things nobody else had ever done. Her dad, Henry Poller, had a day job as an engineer, but the Pollers were also really big folk music fans, and they spent a lot of time going to see live shows. Enough time that they started helping put up flyers for concerts and running ticket booths and getting to know the musicians as friends. Now, back then, these concerts usually featured a bunch of folk artists on the bill. But in 1958, the manager for the folk singer Odetta asked the Pollers if they'd like to put together a solo show. That experience helped inspire the couple to launch Mary Ann Poller Presents. And as concert promoters, they helped bring new names to the Bay Area, including Bob Dylan, after turning him down several times because they didn't know who he was. This is Bob Dylan performing Gates of Eden at one of Mary Ann Poller's shows in San Francisco. Odetta went on to record dozens of hits after appearing in Marianne Poller's concerts. Martin Luther King called her the queen of American folk music. Here she is singing Hit or Miss, recorded in 1970. The Poller's daughter, Odette, who was named in part after Odetta, recalls her parents booking a veritable who's who of 1960s folk and rock music. Judy Collins, Joan Baez, uh, Mimi Farina, the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Makem. She even did the Modern Jazz Quartet, Peter, Paul, and Mary, the Weavers, Frank Zappa, and the Mothers of Invention. By the way, that's Zappa's 1970 recording of Transylvania Boogie. 
Odette says her parents' success didn't just lie in their ability to recognize talent. She describes a cozy, intimate relationship between these artists and her parents and their broader group of friends. She says many of them would end up crashing at her family's house. After most of the concerts, there was a party at at my parents' house. They're very, very social. I'm a kid, so I'd go upstairs and go to bed, and people were singing, you know, and performing downstairs. And that's just normal to fall asleep to Odetta or Pete Seeger or somebody singing downstairs. Everything about the rainbow sign was intentional, starting with its name. Here's Vice President Kamala Harris again. Its name was inspired by a verse from the Black Spiritual, Mary, don't you weep. God gave Noah the rainbow sign. No more water, but fire next time. The lyric, God gave Noah the rainbow sign. No more water, the fire next time, was printed on the membership brochure. James Baldwin, of course, had memorably used this same verse for his book, The Fire Next Time. Baldwin was a close friend of Polar's and a regular guest at the club. Even before the rainbow sign got started, James Baldwin had already spent time in the Bay Area, including back in 1964 when he toured the city on camera for a film called Take This Hammer. It was actually produced by KQED, the station where today we produce the California Report. It was a time of huge change here. The second wave of the Great Migration had brought about 300,000 people, largely Black Southerners, to the Bay Area between just 1940 and 1970. And by the 60s, San Francisco was demolishing its thriving jazz district, the historically Black Fillmore neighborhood, under the guise of urban renewal. And this is part of our redevelopment also. What do you mean? You say redevelopment meaning? You mean removal of Negroes. Uh, yes, that's what you mean. Baldwin called out the racism that he saw. He said it was overt in the South, but in San Francisco, where, quote, everyone is so liberal and so civilized and so literate, it's all under the rug. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. 